0: Set for another power play. Lindell across. Six stars in the avalanche zone. It'll be of a high. Shot scores!
1: He's getting pushed out of the way. Is still able to get a touch on this puck through. Here come the stars! Get right off, rebound score. That's his second goal of this game. Off the
0: play, a nice pass. He's the one that finds hint in the slot. The first shot comes right back to him on the rebound. Dallas changing, Alexiak moves in. That a big game-winning goal against Calgary. Hands it off to Sekira. Kibranta perked in front. Looking for root. Scores! Hat trick goal for Kibaranta! And he sends Dallas to
1: the Western Conference Final. Hey, welcome to Tape to Tape, powered by Ram Motor Trends back-to-back winner. Of Truck of the Year. I'm Ryan Dixon. I'm a writer for Sportsnet.ca. Joining me today to talk about the final four, Sportsnet's NHL editor, Rory Boylan. We're down to one bubble, Rory.
0: One bubble. I think both of our uh, Stanley Cup final picks are alive. Yes. Which, hey, that's a miniature celebration. Absolutely. <laughs> and we, you know what? Those were some awesome Game 7s that we just yes to, like it took a while to get there, right? But um, a series of them great finishes there in round two and you know we're we're in the home stretch now
1: yeah a little behind the curtain for the listeners we planned to do this maybe Tuesday Wednesday around our normal day uh, and we were like well we'll just hang on until um the the round finishes because everyone was up three one so we yeah. just kept waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and finally realized looks like we're recording on Sunday morning because three of the series went to game sevens, and yeah, the Friday night games especially were fantastic. We, of course, have a final four of the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the New York Islanders. We're going to start there, and then we'll talk about the teams that got tossed over the top rope in the second half of the show. So let's jump into it with the East. Uh, Rory, I don't know that there is a better final four story than the New York Islanders when you get right down to it. just unbelievable what that team has done. They really could have beat Philadelphia in five. Um, you know, they obviously had them on the ropes, some overtimes. It could have been done earlier and they ended up really putting an exclamation mark on the series with a big win in game seven for nothing, blanking the Flyers. Um, now they get the Tampa Bay Lightning, a Tampa Bay Lightning team that's still going to be playing without Steven Stamkos, which I-, I don't know if that's flown under the radar but yeah, it, it, sure. you know i feel like we really haven't talked a lot about that it sure doesn't sound like he'll be back in the east final that said they have left the door open to seeing him again at some point but this lightning team beat the Boston bruins in five they were the one that got up three one and and closed out we all know the backstory there and after all the credit we want to give the Islanders, uh, here we are. We're both, of course, going to pick Tampa Bay to move through. But do you see this being a super close, nail-biting fight-for-every-inch series for the Islanders and, and Bolts?
0: Yeah, I, I don't see why not. I mean, it's at it's the point now where if you underrate the New York Islanders, you're doing so at your own peril. Um, they're just... I mean, we've talked about it. They're just such a strong structural team that is completely bought into what Barry Trotz wants to do. And Barry Trotz continues to prove that he's one of, if not the best coaches long time in, in the NHL. Um, and, you know, they have depth everywhere, they, all through their forward lines, through their defense. And they're not household names generally, but they're just guys who are, really good in this system they have a couple of goalies that can play really well and you know i'm thinking back to like last year's playoffs and there were a number of teams you looked at and said well maybe they just needed to lose you know that that old old saying maybe they just need to lose first to learn how to get over that hump you could have said that about maybe the colorado avalanche who upset calgary in round one and then got eliminated you know tampa bay had that round one upset they're still alive here um you know, Dallas could even be a team that fit into that. You could see paths for these teams to build off those losses and return better this year. And a couple of them are still around. No one was talking about that with the New York Islanders. You just saw the New York Islanders is like, Oh my goodness, look at that. They had an upset against Pittsburgh and then they got blown out the next round. And yeah, you know, it was nice that they pulled off that upset, but they're not really that great. And now you look at them this year and like, okay, maybe we should have been thinking about them a little bit differently. Maybe they're better than we think. Um, And I think, maybe the most surprising stat to me is as much as we talk and think about the Islanders as a tough defensive team, which they absolutely are Philadelphia only had 16 shots on net in that game seven. Yeah. The Islanders have the highest goals for per game of any team left in these playoffs. And that's absolutely shocking to me. Matthew Barzell is not the leading point getter. Josh Bailey and Brock Nelson are the first two I mean, young Anthony Beauvillier has had a, a real breakout playoff. I think he's got five goals in games where the Islanders had a chance to finish off the series. So clutch performances there, um, and so the, they're, they're scoring more than I think people realize as well. Not that not that that's going to be what gets them through Tampa Bay, but they're going to make it really muddy and really tough for the Lightning to play the way they want to, which is to score a lot of goals.
1: Three guys with seven goals. Andres Lee, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, and the aforementioned Beauvilliers. Five guys with five goals. Barzell and Nelson, add them to the list. Of course, that is through uh, three series the best of five that they had to win to get here to begin with and then uh winning two rounds in the main draw and yeah you said it they're, they're I mean Matt Martin what a story that guy has been <laughs> yeah. scoring four goals uh they clearly play for each other they believe uh in each other I mean I, I guess if you're Tampa the one thing that makes you nervous or if you're or you're a bolts fan is I mean they kind of fit the description of the Columbus team yes. that, got the best of Tampa last year. And and obviously Tampa vanquished that ghost this year, but it is kind of a similar dynamic to that series that, you know, just got away from Tampa a year ago.
0: A hundred percent. And you know, if, if you are a Tampa Bay fan, you can look at it and say, well, they did beat Columbus this year and Columbus is very similar to this year too. Like that's yep. how Columbus got through Toronto, right? They frustrated them on offense and, and Tampa Bay got through Columbus without a heck of a lot of trouble uh, this year comparatively. So you can kind of compare them in that way and say, maybe this is a good series for the lightning. And and I think a lot of people are going to see it that way, probably rightfully. So like the lightning are just stacked, even without Steven Stamkos, they're blowing their way through these playoffs. Um, just a stellar defense. They have a lot of depth up, up up front too, but it's more about scoring goals than anything else. And so it's just kind of, you know along the lines of those San Jose Sharks Washington Capitals teams just keep putting the these players this team on the ice for as many years as you can and one day it's going to hit and you know for all the teams that they could have drawn in the Eastern Conference final you know getting the Islanders isn't the worst thing isn't the worst thing on paper anyway I, I
1: didn't like, want to say it out loud but yeah I know,
0: I know. I, I, but it's that's how it is right like it's true I, I could easily look back at this clip in 2 weeks and say well the Islanders really blew away Tampa Bay. That sounds bad, but you just you look at it on paper and you see so many ways for Tampa Bay to get through, and not a lot for the Islanders. But this this isn't me discounting the Islanders. I think they could make this a really tough series. It's just when you're making predictions, it it you, it's hard to not pick the team that has the track record of winning a lot in the regular season, mostly over the last few years, and just the, the skill that they have because. I mean, you look at the teams on the Western Conference too, loaded with skill. You know, as much as the Islanders and teams like Columbus, defensive teams have been a a kind of side story in their success in these playoffs. Dallas got through Colorado because they scored a lot. Vegas is here because they score a lot. Tampa is here because they score a lot. So that is the stronger narrative through the first couple of rounds, I think.
1: And you have to say a bit of a coming out party for Braden Point. I mean, obviously they needed him more than ever uh, he was already a a huge part of the team but um you know he's a guy who they really needed in the absence of steven stamkos and he is showing just what he can do at the top of an nhl lineup
0: yeah i mean that that's been huge and you know there was some remember last summer didn't know what was gonna happen with his contract because tampa bay was kind of bumping up against that cap Yeah. He was a candidate to get an offer sheet, which of course never happened in the NHL. Sebastian <laughs> Aho got one, but it was easily matchable, so there's nothing actually competitive about trying to pull these guys away. And lo and behold, Point resigned. Um, but I don't know if a lot of people outside of Tampa, uh, outside of Tampa, and like really hardcore fans knew and fully appreciated what Point was. Um, so with Stamkos out of the lineup, um, the way he stood up. I mean, you can't miss him right now. He's their leading scorer. He's an awesome, awesome two-way player as well. Um, And so he's had an, an, you know, he leads them in points, leads them in points a game, even strength goals, even strength points. He's one of the highest even strength, might be tied even with Nathan McKinnon, if I remember right, for even strength points uh, in these playoffs. So it's not just, you know, Tampa Bay getting on the power play and Braden Point is taking advantage. He's doing it in the toughest spots. Um, And so that's been a a massive development, but then, you know, you look down this lineup and you see Nikita Kucherov number two, of course, it's been those two guys that have really been hugely huge contributors to this offense so far, like a tier above everybody else. Right after that, you go to Andre Palo, Alex Killhorn, Blake Coleman, a a really nice trade deadline pickup uh, for the Tampa Bay lightning. But these guys aren't like, Blowing the doors off. They're not going to be challenging for a con Smythe at this point unless they have a series to remember or something. Yeah. It's, it's Point and it's Kucherov that are driving this up front, with of course Victor Hedman being an absolute beast of a presence on the blue line.
1: Well, in the case of the Dallas Stars, it's Joel Kivaranta who is driving things up front. <laughs> what would a game seven be without an unsung out of the blue hero? and all the better that he's finished and we get amazing uh, calls in his uh, native language. Alexiak. Ahti Marsi kiirtää punttoa. Pakki pakki syv- syvyyssuunnassa. Segra juoksee maalin taakse. Kiviräntä hitsomat maalin edessä. Ja kiviräntä! Overtime game seven winner to complete the hat trick. Dallas knocks out the Colorado Avalanche and will face the Vegas Golden Knights. You mentioned it; uh, our finalists are still rolling here, Vegas and Tampa. So I, I assume uh, you, like me, will just keep uh, stand by the pick. But um, you know, Dallas—it took everything they had to withstand the pushback from Colorado. But like you said, similar to the Islanders, they're finding the scoring. Alex Radulov on the top line, all of a sudden, bearing goals. Um, you know, Kivaranta, we joke, but plugged into the lineup for game seven and, and look what they found. I mean, Miro Haskinen, uh, Girovanov, young guys. I mean, we, we all knew Haskinen had some pretty serious potential, but he has landed, he is here. Yeah. And uh, Girovanov was a 20-goal guy and he's doing it in the playoffs now. Uh, looking at this team that is getting the scoring they're going to be a, a, a real bear, I think for Vegas.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you remember last year in the playoffs, Dallas uh, met St. Louis in round two and came within inches of knocking them off in that series. There was a wraparound attempt by rope by hints and another one by Jamie Ben in overtime that were just inches. I think it was Colton Pareko that stopped the Ben uh, wrap around with his stick basically on the goal line. So You know, they were they were that close to beating last year's Stanley Cup champions in 2019. So not a huge surprise that Dallas is here. They they have everything you need. It's just, you know, they were they were one of the best defensive teams in the league this year. Excellent goaltending, could not score ranked 27th in goals. So that they absolutely blew up and were scoring like crazy matching Colorado goal for goal in that series was hugely surprising. But you look at this lineup and you say it's all the guys you mentioned plus jamie ben yeah Joe pavelski tyler sagan i mean even Ropay hints had a had a pretty good season too and, and a good really good playoff for them last year like they have these weapons and you just always throughout the season you look at the team and say why aren't they scoring more and it's just because they play this system that uh that, that the coaching staff wants them to play they buy into it um there was a game against uh um Colorado there where you know they were kind of scoring and Rick Bonus after the game was talking about how one of his players had two goals and you know he might have tried to go for the hat trick but instead of that that first line with Rajulov, Ben and Sagan just kind of dialed it back played defense and that's them buying into that system and that's when they realized they don't have to go for offense all the time even though they could they could play like a team like Colorado or Tampa Bay but they don't because defense that that structure kind of really ties everything else together. You create offense off good defense and Colorado just left too many opportunities for Dallas. Also Colorado, you know, by the end of it was down to their third string goalie, which certainly helps, but um, it's, that wasn't fully the the whole reason. I don't think There, Joe Pavelski, there, you know, there was talk that maybe he was a little banged up for some of the year and he gets all that time off five months to recover and he comes back healthy. And you know, are we surprised Joe Pavelski is playing awesome in the playoffs? No, not at all. He's done that his entire career. He's an excellent goal scorer. And so now it's just kind of coming together. Will they score that much against Vegas it remains to be seen. Like Vegas is pretty much fully healthy. They've got Robin Lehner playing really good hockey. And if he happens to fail, You can always go to Marc-Andre Fleury and hope that there's something there. Um, There's more depth everywhere for Vegas. Um, Vegas is certainly going to push the offense like Colorado did. I think they have a better defense, too. So it's going to be a tougher matchup for Dallas. Um, But it's going to be really interesting for me to see if they can keep any of that offense going um, against Vegas because it's just not characteristic of them to score like that. So if they can keep it going we have to completely change how we look at Dallas and they're way more dangerous than they were even before when they were already a Stanley Cup contender coming into this thing. But I I don't think it's going to be just naturally easy for them to keep scoring four or five goals a game against Vegas.
1: We've talked about crazy game sevens and near misses last year. I mean, let's not forget the Vegas Golden Knights were up three nothing on a San Jose Sharks team in game seven. And of course, wound up on the losing end now this is their third playoff the team is in the final four for the second time except this time they've got mark stone and max Pacioretty up front and you mentioned it robin robin lenner uh in the cage um what do you make of this team that kind of similar to the islanders ended up going seven but, but probably could have knocked the canucks off earlier if not for the heroics of demko
0: yeah i mean what the, where did demko come from that was we'll get absolutely there we'll incredible. get there. yeah we'll get there but i mean uh, just just couldn't close them out bit it had nothing to do with them like they were completely outplaying Vancouver in all of those games it was just the goalie so you look at it and say I don't think you're gonna be too concerned with what was going on for Vegas it was maybe a bit of a cold spell where they just had a bad shooting percentage for a couple of games right and you hope that that corrects itself but again Dallas is just such a ridiculously strong defensive team the the one positive from that for Vegas, uh, for Vegas' perspective is that Anton Kudobin is playing for Dallas and not Ben Bishop. And Kudobin, I think he's been fine. He's been a little soft in some games, but he's not winning any games for Dallas. Um, he's just kind of taking what's there, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think he's even lost a couple of games for Dallas along the way. So um, that's definitely a, a huge positive in, in Vegas's favor. Um, but again, I mean, it's just wicked skill depth. The, uh, you mentioned the guys on that top line. Uh, Shea Theodore actually leads this team in points right now from the blue line Um, and he is continuing to kind of come out slowly as one of the better I don't want to say Norris because there's a lot of those really young candidates out there but like a really sturdy number one defenseman for this team to move forward with And, and a guy that they got out of expansion from Anaheim because Anaheim wanted to protect some other guys or had to protect some other guys uh, due to no, tr- no trade clauses. So you give them up for nothing. And that's basically what this whole team is built on, right? Is getting guys for nothing. Um, Nate Schmidt, another great, great defenseman back there. They're just, they can play any which way you want. Like if it's, if it's tight defense, they'll do it. If it's all offense, they'll do it. They'll play with speed. They've got a physical kind of, Rough sandpaper edge yeah. to them. Like Ryan Reeves went a bit too far against the Vegas or against the Vancouver Canucks and getting kicked out of that game. But for the most part, he doesn't push that edge to put Vegas at a disadvantage. He's exactly what they need. So they've got a really strong mix of of everything. And now you look back at that Robin Lehner trade at the deadline that we were sitting there at, stretching our heads like, what does that mean for marc Andre Flory Is it just giving him rest down the stretch so he can start, or are they thinking about? making laner the number one and laner is clearly the number one because they could have gone to flory for game six certainly for game seven against vancouver not because those losses were laner's fault but just to give a change of scenery because you view it as a tandem they clearly don't view this as a tandem it's robin laner's crease all the way that's going to open up some off-season questions but laner looks like and he was a vesna finalist a year ago and he looks like that player behind this defense he was great in chicago behind a really weak defense this year though his numbers didn't pop quite as much but now you see him behind a much better defense and he looks like that kind of Vezina caliber yeah. guy all over again.
1: all right well we'll see if we get the Tampa Vegas final you me and a few other people have predicted all right coming up on the other side of the break we're going to talk about the teams that didn't quite make it to the final four and maybe chart out What comes next for a few of those clubs? Stick around. Lots more to come on Tape to Tape. Hey, welcome back to Tape to Tape. Don't forget to check out the Sportsnet Fantasy Hockey Pool presented by Ram. Just go to sportsnet.ca forward slash Ram. You can win fifty thousand dollars in cash prizes or the grand prize—a Ram fifteen hundred or twenty five hundred. Once again, sportsnet.ca forward slash Ram. I wonder if anyone had Kivaranta. I'm gonna say probably <laughs> not. Um, but man, things change fast in the NHL people and teams come out of nowhere, right? I just, before we get into Colorado, Boston, uh, Philly, and a little bit on the, the Canucks, I just have to go over a couple things that, uh, in, in a relatively short period of time, and sometimes in a real short period of time, just change so much. I mean, we talked about Leonard and Flurry. In in the first block. I mean, two years ago, they're they're basically building statues of Marc-Andre Fleury's the face of the franchise in Vegas. What a story. After you know, being the odd man out in Pittsburgh. Now it's Robin Leonard's net, the Colorado Avalanche. It was not quite three years ago that they were a bottom feeding team selling off on Matt Duchesne and us wondering if they were one of the maybe the worst run franchise in the league. They're probably the consensus 2021 Stanley Cup pick right now. The New York Islanders, do I even have to say it, two years ago, their captain goes, and that's a team that can't make the playoffs with John Tavares. You assume they're just going to be wandering in the hinterlands, and here they are two years later in the conference final after making the playoffs uh, last year, first time since 93 for the Islanders. And then what about something like a week ago, you were looking at the Canucks going, Even with the cap situation, they got to sign Markstrom. He's just too important. And three big games from Thatcher Demko, and you're kind of wondering, wow, geez, maybe (laughs) Demko's the guy. I mean, that in particular is why GMs must never sleep at night and get paid the big bucks. We talked a lot with Ian McIntyre about the Canucks at the start of their series versus the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, And we talked a lot about the future and you know we talked about them in the context of assuming they probably weren't going to get past vegas which ended up being quite close but people who want to deep dive on on all those um guys who are going to play a big role in the future and what that looks like you know check back to our last pod and listen to that but i do think we have to talk about Demko, and i mean three games what do you do rory it does it really weigh on you it, it you know the cap is so tricky to navigate. Goaltending is so tricky. People will scream, you can't devote too much resources yep. to goaltending. I mean, if you're Jim Benning, what do you do?
0: Yeah, this is a tough one because, I mean, on one hand, in a normal in a normal season, I think the priority should still be Jacob Markstrom um, because you look at the other UFAs that they have, it's Chris Tana, it's Tyler Toffoli, you know, nice players, nice to have, and everything. Um, I don't think you need to I think you've got yeah. enough like offensive luxury. guys. Um, I think they do need to do something with that blue line. So losing tandem might be a bit of a problem, but three games just isn't enough for me to buy completely into Demko. Like you need to get another guy to be his tandem partner at least. And sure, this is this is the off season that maybe you can do that because there's a lot of goalies that are going to be available in free agency or, or trade or anything like that. Um,
1: and it's not like he's a kid, right? He's 25 in December. Exactly.
0: Exactly. The the problem is that not only do you have a flat cap to deal with, you have Seattle expansion draft next year. Um, so if you sign Markstrom, and I mean, it sounds like part of the holdup there is this expansion. So if you sign Markstrom, is he going to do it without any like movement protection that would make him an automatic protect for the Seattle expansion draft. And if you give that to him, now you have to leave Demko unprotected. And how do, you, how do you feel about that? Versus how do you feel about letting Markstrom go and taking your chances that you can find, you know, a I don't know, like I, an Anton Kudobin type guy, like a, maybe not someone who's going to be a 50 start starter, but someone who can split with Demko and hope that Demko hits, right? and you, And that you would leave the other guy available for Seattle. Neither of those are like obvious fixes. Nothing makes you feel great at night going to bed. It's a really, really tough call. Um, I I wonder if the only way you can get Markstrom to sign is is that he needs that protection. I don't know how good I feel about giving him no movement protection in this goalie climate specifically, even after the year he had. I mean, he was awesome for them, and he was looking great until he couldn't play. He was unfit to play, and he was dealing with an injury. goalies I just would be so so scared of putting too many chips down on Demko for three good starts you it's just not predictive of anything I don't think obviously he's not going to continue to be that good forever so like what is he really you just haven't seen him enough to really know that yet so I don't envy Jim <laughs> yeah. Barry for this call that he's got to make it's it's impossible
1: so Colorado I don't think we have to dwell on long I I said um, you know, half joking, but kind of serious that they're probably going to be the consensus 2021 Stanley Cup pick. I mean, obviously, they ran into goaltending issues with Grubauer going down. You're, you're, you know, good on Michael Hutchinson for stepping in there, but he's the number three guy in a game seven. And, they, you know, they still came within a hair of winning it going up late in that game. They very easily could be in the final four now with their number three goalie. This is a stay the course. There's, there's no, real huge questions looming around this team um i you're going to run it back whenever next season starts and and yeah. and be a cup contender
0: yeah and you're missing Landis scog there too like they were they got really banged up at the end here um uh, but they're in the best position of any of these teams i Gotta mean be. you look at the off season for some of these other contenders like dallas doesn't have a ton of cap room you wonder what they do with kadovan uh tampa bay i mean they're going to be in offer sheet target potentially for a guy yeah. like Anthony Sorelli, maybe Mikhail Sergachev. Like they have no salary cap room whatsoever. Vegas is capped out. They don't have any big contracts to worry about other than that goalie situation. Um, but like, they're also capped out. Colorado is like one of the teams that has the most cap room. and And that's, you look at the other teams that have a lot of cap space and it's New Jersey and Detroit and like these really bad teams that have a long way to go. Colorado is is there, so obviously they're a candidate to potentially sign a guy like Taylor Hall. Who, hey, Taylor Hall, would you go to Colorado for a discount, or would you take a lot of money and sign a one or a maybe two year deal just to take a quick run at the Cup? Because he said money isn't like the be all yeah. end all. He wants to win, right? And it, it's I don't a, know if there's it a better seems situation like a dream fit,
1: and you'd hit the UFA market again when you're 30 years old or something. Sure, you
0: know? sure, and. And if it works, maybe you've just had an awesome season and your value has been upped. Hopefully, the cap situation is better at that point because we've come out from this yeah. COVID nineteen situation by then. Um, that's the best case scenario. And heck, even if you don't, maybe you're still taking runs at the Stanley Cup. And that's what that's what he has said. Like he's played in this league for ten years. He's barely had any playoff experience. I mean, there's no way he's staying in Arizona the way they went out and the cap situation there. Under I don't even think. It's possible they got like a million dollars in cap room um it just colorado easily presents the best split of stanley cup chances and the money that they could give you at least on a short-term deal you know you look at some of these other candidates like maybe calgary maybe edmonton is a fit but it's like they're not really at the same spot colorado is so even if it's not taylor hall colorado could they have all these options to do almost whatever they want this off season um, because of all that cap space they have, they have a lot of, you know, assets that they could possibly trade if Joe Sakic would want to do that too. But it really seems like next year is one where Colorado just pushes all their chips in and says we're fully going for the Stanley Cup this year because nobody has the cap space and wiggle room that they do with the roster that they have.
1: So let's talk a little about the Flyers and Bruins, two teams definitely in different parts of their arc. I mean, the Flyers were a great story this year, just taking off in the second half. And, you know, a lot of the work really that Ron Hextall had done with that team came to to fruition. And there's a lot to like there, though I have to say pretty disappointing showing through two rounds. I mean, they they really didn't look that great against the Canadians and, and could have easily been bounced by Montreal. And really the Islanders series could have ended in 5 but the Flyers were able to hang in and and you know get some some overtime goals. I mean, big picture you have to feel great about where they're headed, but a lot of their big guys no showed in terms of scoring goals and it's now fully on you know the connect knees. Konechny had a really tough playoffs. Provorov, great defenseman, Carter Hart definitely shown something. It sure seems like it's headed somewhere great, but we know that's not uh, necessarily the most patient place in the world and I do think these two rounds are going to leave a little bit of a bad taste.
0: Yeah. Philadelphia is like the hardest team for me to figure out because they're in the playoffs one year and then they're out and then they're in again. And then they're out. And you look at their roster and you say, how do they bounce back and forth like this? Like they have, as far as like the lead kind of guys, you have what you would want. I would think you, you have, You know, Like Claude Drew is a really good offensive. I wouldn't say he's one of the top superstars in the league or anything like that, but the guy can score a lot of points for you. Travis Konechny is like a really fast, up-and-coming offensive contributor. Sean Couturier, one of the best two-way centers in the entire league. I love the defense being led by Ivan Provorov, who I think is just an absolute stud. And then Carter Hart, still really, really young, but seems like the guy who's finally after decades going to stabilize this holy situation uh, there in Philadelphia. So why can't they put this together? I mean, to your point, they, in that game six against Montreal, they were outplayed. Montreal should have won that game. Uh, uh, They were, they did not look that great. They did not look like the best, the, the number one seed in that series. They did not look like the number one seed against the New York Islanders. Granted, the Islanders have made everybody kind of look silly so far, but you know, a team like Philly, you'd think could be above that. Fight through that a little bit, and you're absolutely right. Like you look, so you look at all this, you say, okay, they've got a good place to start from. Why is it not clicking? And to your point, there's just no patience historically in that organization. So you wonder what kind of reactions this is going to lead to in the off season, and would it lead to anything that they may regret at at some point later? Like it seems like a team that you just kind of want to keep pushing on with because a lot of these things, especially in net. Uh, the players are still pretty young, um, but at the same time, and you look as bad as you do as as the top seed after the round robin, there are legitimate questions. Like they don't look as polished as Tampa Bay and Colorado and Dallas and some of these other contenders that even lost a little bit earlier. Um, but I, I don't know why they're not more consistent. They were so good from January on yeah. like one of the best teams. And then, and then all of a sudden they weren't again in the playoffs. And it's, I, I can't figure this team out. I don't know why they're as inconsistent as they are.
1: So I'm not going to write the obituary on the Boston Bruins just yet. They lose to the five games in Tampa two years ago. They lost to the five games in Tampa in the second round. In between that, they had a game seven to win the Stanley cup on home ice and didn't do it. I do wonder if they're going to look back at that as the last great crack because you know obviously the big question is Krug in the off season and it sure sounds like he's ready to get paid. Zdeno Char wants to come back and I think can be an effective player again uh, at age 43 through next year they have. I mean I know there's some noise around Rask and and uh, Yaro Halak. Those guys are a great tandem. They are both under contract again for next year. I think the Bruins are very much in the mix and a hard, hard out next year. But it's starting to get a little dark out there. And, I mean, yeah. they've got, you know, they're a well-run team. And I, and I don't think it's a, they're on the precipice of falling off a cliff. But I do think um, next year, even, assuming Krug leaves, the, I could absolutely see them being a contender. But it's gonna, the questions are going to get bigger and bigger as we go along here.
0: Yeah, so the, you hit the the biggest question in Torrey Krug this offseason. Like, what happens with that guy? He, he does sound like he wants to get paid. Can Boston give him that money? They probably have enough cap room, but it's going to be really, really tight. That would be a massive loss um, if he goes somewhere else. Because um, all of a sudden, I mean, I love Charlie McAvoy. He's going to be great for the future. I, I agree with you that Zidane Ochara is still just a a tough customer out there and someone I would love to have on my team. Brandon Carlo is fine, but it's like, you need Krug. You need that guy who can consistently reliably move the puck and create offense. And you need more than one of those guys and you need an elite guy. And just losing that and not replacing him is going to be massive. Like it's, I I don't think he's the same, but it's kind of similar where if Pittsburgh were to lose Chris Letang for nothing. That would be devastating for their blue line, and so I think it's similar in in Boston. There, you know, I'm not so worried about this team next year um, if Krug is still around, uh, because you wonder, like, if Tuukka Rask did stay, how much that changes what happened to the Boston Bruins. It's I, I think, I think he is one of the better goalies in the league. I think his numbers back that up. Um, I, I just think that he needs to be rested in the regular season. And it usually pays off in the playoffs. Yeah. So you wonder, just having your number one goalie, what does that change right away? And I think that's a legitimate question. Um, it's after next year. And to your point, like every year from now on, these questions are going to get tougher. After next year, David Krejci is going to be a UFA and he makes a ton of money. So how how is that negotiation going to play out? Chris Bergeron's 35 years old. It's not going to get any easier. Brad Marchand's 32. Like again, I, I agree. Like I don't think these guys are going to fall off a cliff in the next year, but how much longer can they keep being one of the best lines in the NHL? It's just going to get harder and harder as you go. They just spent a first-round pick at the deadline to get Andre Kasha, who yeah. was pretty disappointing for them in the playoffs. I still have hopes that this guy hits and maybe we'll see it next year, but that was a disappointing pickup and now you've given up a first round pick that you maybe need to kind of reload here um do they make that first round pick available next year to try and keep this thing alive like how motivated are they versus a team like pittsburgh who clearly is trying to go all in as long as they can sure is boston similar in that and then they just keep throwing picks out at the deadline just keep trying to add to extend this life as as long as they can and when the bottom does drop out Good luck. We'll see you a few years after you get out of that rebuild because it's probably going to be a little messy. Um, Yeah, I mean, there's just there's not a ton of depth on this team anymore, and it's not easy to see how they're going to get that back because they are going to be a little tight against the cap, especially if they get Krug signed to a new deal. So it, it, you know, and as you go, it's going to get thinner and thinner, and it's going to get tougher and tougher, and their best players are getting older fast, and so. I don't want to say their winner was closed. It's definitely closing, though.
1: The moral to the story, if you have a chance to win the Stanley Cup on home ice in Game 7, get it done because you don't know when uh, it will come again. No one's going to win the Stanley Cup on home ice this year. They're all in Edmonton. Final four teams Uh, we keep clipping along should be great. Keep checking back to tape to tape. We're going to play it by ear again and figure out when the best time to jump in is based on how the series are going based on when my wife goes into labor. We don't really know how that's going to go. Maybe that will be the big story in my house this week. Yeah. We shall see. But we're uh, we're planning to certainly keep podding along here and, and hopefully get uh, keep hitting our, our weekly frequency. Um, we're just trying to figure out when the best time to jump in is. But uh, yeah, so much great action
0: to talk about. We have to do it. And Ryan, you know, for me, and I think everybody who's listening to wish you and your wife the best of luck. When the little one comes, enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> you you say it as a wise and exhausted man. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> All right. Exhausted. I don't know about the wise part. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, thanks so much to our producers today, Mike Tassoni, Michael Mayers, for making the magic happen thanks to my co-host as always Rory Boylan and check back soon for more class rally and hockey action on tape to tape